Without Canada, there is no America. Unfortunately, I don't think enough Americans understand that. But historically speaking... What do you mean by that? I'm about to explain that, Scott. Amazing. Welcome to Canusa Street, a podcast at the intersection of the issues and policies between Canada and the United States. Here are your hosts, Scotty Greenwood and Chris Sands. Welcome back to Canusa Street, everybody. We are in the pop-up studio in Calgary, Alberta. First time, first time for Canusa Street. I'm Scotty Greenwood with Canadian American Business Council, and I'm joined by Chris Sands, who just made it in under the wire. Travel woes, but you're here. I did. I, I just got here this afternoon, and it's great to take Canusa Street on the road. I don't know how you take a street on a road, but we're doing it. But we're this doing is it. And what's most important is our very first inaugural guest for Canusa Street pop-up is somebody that's kind of famous in Washington and famous in the other Washington. You pick which is which. Washington, D.C., state of Washington. Uh, we're excited to have you. Uh, and I'll ask Chris to introduce you properly, and then we'll get right into it. Excellent. Well, uh, we're very excited to have you, uh, Governor Heck. Um, Denny Heck is an American entrepreneur and politician serving as the 17th and current Lieutenant Governor of Washington State. Uh, he's a member of the Democratic Party and previously served as the U.S. Representative for Washington's 10th Congressional District from 2013 to 2021 and was a state representative from 1977 to 1985, which uh, m- makes you probably older than you look. You, uh, I was eight years old when I was first elected. No, I, I have a particularly important birthday this week, Chris. Do you? It ends in a zero. Ends in a zero or and five. I'm, I'm yeah. a zero, and I'm not going to tell you the first digit, but I will tell you it's neither six nor eight. And if you can narrow it down, you'll so get So it's it. four or five. <laughs> yeah. Are we sure that it's just two digits? Yeah. It's not a oh, no. oh, yeah. Well, it's wow. been nice being a guest on your program. Yeah, Thank thanks you very a lot, much. Sam. <laughs> well, stick with the Democratic side of the aisle here, Governor, because, uh, you know, Canusa Street is bipartisan, it but is. Um, in our in our private personal lives, Chris is a Republican and I'm a Democrat, so we already know that you like me better. So <laughs> Everyone usually does, I have to say. Uh, so, look, we're delighted to have you, and uh, we're here at Penmore, Pacific Northwest Economic Region. We're talking about Canada-U.S. relations, so uh, why don't you just start us off with what is your take? You, you, you can see Canada from where you live, right? What, what's your take on Canada-U.S. relations? <laughs> Not exactly. So, I have a big-picture, long-term historical view of these relations, and it can best be distilled and summarized as follows. Without Canada, there is no America. Unfortunately, I don't think enough Americans understand that. But historically, what do you speaking, mean by that? I'm about to explain that, Scott. Amazing. So, if you look back over the long arc of history, the thing that enabled America to to grow, to move westward, westward, to prosper, to innovate technologically, was unlike in, for example, Europe. We never really feared for a meaningful invasion for the last 200 years. Why? Well, we largely controlled our seas on the Atlantic and the Pacific. We had fairly friendly relations, but less so than the North, with Mexico. But we have this border, the longest international border on the face of the planet with our neighbors and friends to the North in Canada, that has been peaceful the entire time. And it has enabled America to become what it is. Without Canada, there is no America. Now, I grew up in Washington State. Uh, I, I grew up in Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, USA. 
Wow. Established 61 years before that other Vancouver, which, by the way, was called Granville, Canada. Seems like a perfectly serviceable name to me. <laughs> Why they chose my hometown name to steal. You seem a little touchy about I'm this. I'm not touchy. Whatsoever. I mean, how's the skyline in your hometown? I'm just wondering. Growing and growing and growing. Okay. <laughs> Prospering. So, Washingtonians, frankly, by and large, have a deep love for our Canadian brothers and sisters to the north. We fully understand their importance to us. They are our number one trading partner. Now stop and think about the importance of that statement. Washington State is the most trade-driven state economy in America, and our number one trading partner is Canada. So common language, common values, uh, trading relations, it doesn't get any closer or more important across an international border than it does between uh, uh, America and Canada. At the Peace Arch, at the Blaine-Douglas Crossing, north of Bellingham, south of Vancouver, uh, this magnificent Peace Arch, which celebrated its 100th anniversary, anniversary, uh, is written a number of things, including uh, children of a common mother, including may these borders, uh, may this border always be open. Does it also say brother from another mother? Because I've heard that's, no, that's a different arch. <laughs> no, it doesn't say a, that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's Scotty humor coming <laughs> in. Okay. Which I, I, I'm going to admit I liked a lot more than than Chris's earlier. Low we, bar. We low. try. <laughs> it's a low bar right. with the professor. Right. I'm staying, but you're no longer allowed to ask questions. Oh, well, I have to ask at least one question. So you, you talk a little bit about that relationship. How does that manifest itself now in terms of business and commerce while we're going through COVID? Has the relationship been affected by all the border restrictions? Well, and, and No kidding, Chris. Yeah. We closed the border. Yeah. And even today, I, truthfully, mm-hmm. Getting into Canada this time when I flew in yesterday was way harder than last time I was here. Let's uh, let's or, unpack that a little. Sorry to interrupt you. Well, Heather, but arrive good can, for arrive can, but yeah, you know, and I I'm not exactly a bleeding edge technology guy, but I'm a cutting edge technology guy. I've been involved in technology startups. Uh, I like to have the latest device, but uh, it was all a little bureaucratic to me. And if it weren't for God bless her. That delightful young customer service agent for Alaska Airlines who was checking my bag and walked me step by step through a rive can. I might not yet be here, but I, this did not used to exist. Yeah. Uh, and this business of calling ahead of time and making sure your wait time at the border isn't 9,230 hours, that didn't used to exist. Early in our marriage, and I'm a newlywed. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. How many decades? Only been married 47 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, Early in our marriage. The first 50 years are the hardest after that. (laughs) (laughs) And when you turn 50 years old, you can give me that advice, Scotty. But the first several years of our marriage, we liked to vacation in Vancouver because it was the other Vancouver. Yeah. The one, the pretender to the name. (laughs) The one that stole the The name. The newbie. Right, uh, because it's such a delightful metropolitan community. I mean, it's, it it's Vancouver's beautiful. delightful, Victoria's delightful. Yeah, Kitimat. And it was Prince so much easier. And and I also did that uh, at the time, the largest bungee jump in the world out on the island, Vancouver Island. I'm trying to. You did it. You jumped it. 
Yes, of course I did. You did not. I hey, did. I want to see pictures. Is I there video? Actually, I have a video at oh, home fantastic. somewhere. But I, That's you know, happening. It's where's on. the box of VHS tapes? You know, I, <laughs> our, our podcast audience wouldn't appreciate the video anyway. It's right. just sound. So we'll, right. we'll, 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 we'll have to get Someday credit. we're going to go to YouTube, my friend, when we grow up. And in, that, in, our, oh. in our YouTube debut, we are going to digitize that VHS tape. And um, show the world jumping off doing the cliff. A, a, mm-hmm. yeah, it it's was happening. Yeah. I, I that was example doing children, my best. Doing my best. Let the listener know that I'm now spreading my arms <laughs> as in a beautiful swan dive. <laughs> it was a jo- Johnny Westmiler imitation. If you're old enough to know who that is. It was Tarzan. Thank you. But, crit. <laughs> and before he was Tarzan? Well, something of a famous swimmer. Gold medals. Yes. Yes. Thank gold you. medals. <laughs> You're a lot older than you look. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, So, in any event, my jokes are even older. Since he was younger, our our, we truly love the relationship with Canada and treasure it, and it is all important to us. And this, you know, we have these friction points now. And look, it's not like we haven't had disagreements, right? We can go on and on. Uh, Vancouver used to dump its. Or Victoria used to dump its raw sewage into the Salish Sea. Hmm. We didn't like that at all. No. Uh, the Columbia River Treaty, there's some sharp elbows have been thrown. Sopwood uh, lumber, uh, lumber yeah. tariffs, and, you know, the list is long. Yeah. But the point is, we have so much more in co- uh, common that when we sit down and talk these things through, lean into getting to yes. Lean into it because it matters to both of us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you named some of the greatest hits Columbia River Treaty, Softwood Lumber. Those are good ones. We talked about the border um, being closed. That was a problem. Uh, closed to discretionary travel. What do you think the biggest opportunity is for our two countries going into uh, the new world order? I was going to say post COVID, but COVID's with us. So going into is it is it is it coordination on infrastructure? Is it competition with China? Is it critical minerals? Like, what do you see the big the big opportunity for well, us? Well, all countries? those things, but th- these have to assume that we re-lubricate the friction points at the border. Yeah, this has to absolutely. work more quickly, more conveniently, uh, not just for commercial traffic, but but for as for it were people. citizen yeah. traffic. Yeah. Um, I think in the big picture, Scotty, the way I look at it is a little bit geopolitical. When I had the privilege to serve in Congress, I also had the great honor to be a member of what we call HIPSI, the, the House Select, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. As a consequence of that, I spent a lot of my time on airplanes going to not very, sometimes not very desirable places like war zones, but other foreign capitals to, to deal in intelligence diplomacy, as it were. And it's caused me to enter a many, many, many year period of time just contemplating geopolitical things. I think with the world that is emerging in the 21st century, it is going to be vitally important to the interest of the United States to have as tight a woven North American trade uh, basis that we can muster. And I would say, and I would extend that, frankly, to certain other regions, our friends and allies that are in the Far East, not including the one you mentioned, and Europe. Mm-hmm. We have to yeah. figure out how these can become. Uh, trading partners that have as few friction points as possible uh, because of the increasing competition from China and because, frankly, some of uh, the, you know, the, I would say 
the two biggest challenge. If I ever write the book, two biggest challenges confronting the world. Uh, one would be climate change, yeah, and and the other would be the rise of authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. And uh, dem- democracies that believe in market-based economies simply have to figure out how to work very closely together if we are going to compete against uh, those economies that have command control, those economies uh, that function in authoritarian states, where, where, as was indicated earlier, they just cheat. They yeah, just cheat. Right. And we should understand, from Washington State, uh, our biggest export by dollar volume is the sale of these things with wings on them that we all get on to go to far off places. Mm-hmm. We make a lot of airplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we should understand above and beyond the travails that the company, Boeing company has had because of the MAX 737 and a couple of other things. Above and beyond that, we should understand that uh, the double aisle C919 airplane that's in development in China uh, which is one of the biggest markets of Boeing and Airbus, uh, the C919 it's called, is coming. And so this traditional duopoly position that Boeing and Airbus have is destined to be dramatically altered because they both sell a lot of planes to China. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have to be able to figure out how to, how to knit together these uh, trading relationships with people of like mind. Well, and Canada is integral to that. Sure. Because, as I say, without Canada, there is no America. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to think of a catchy way to convey that. There's got to be a bumper sticker in there, there somewhere, Chris. So it's interesting that you talk about, um, about allies, like-minded countries. Um, and I think today, actually, as we're recording this, the Biden administration is convening talks on the Indo-Pacific Economic Forum, Chris. I can't. Canada is not a party to that at the moment, right? And that's, that's right. Is is it is Canada relevant? I mean, what's the what what what's our thought process here? Well, uh, Mr. Eck, you probably have a more informed opinion, but Canada clearly a big tra- Asian trading partner, negotiating with agree with ASEAN to potentially join the regional economic cooperation partnership. They are a member of the TPP. They helped rechristen it the comprehensive partnership and yeah. progressive Trans-Pacific Partnership. So they've shown that their interest is in the Asia Pacific economy, but we've left them off the list. And I think it's a bit of a short-sighted view uh, on the Biden administration's part because Canada generally is the kind of ally we can count on. But but you you've been close to this and even closer to this. Uh, That's a good explanation, Chris. Yeah, I I can't think of a circumstance when we would want to leave Canada off the list. Mm-hmm. For just about any of these kinds of well, I will say, and, and not to not to filibuster, but um, when we when the AUKUS deal with the Australians and the UK and the US came out, it was nuclear submarines, and there were some Canadians I know who thought, well, now why weren't we invited? Those are all our friends, but Canada's not a nuclear submarine country, and on this one. I understand. It was not a big naval country in the Asia-Pacific, but for the Indo-Pacific economic activity, they have a huge stake, and we really need to have them on our side. I think the U.S. is very good at setting an alliance up with the vision thing, but it's middle powers that end up making it actually work and writing the rules and making right. the organization flow, and I think we've shortchanged ourselves by not including them. And the future of America's values and America's standard of living, frankly, will be found in bilateral and multilateral arrangements. We we were for quite some time the only superpower in the world. We arguably in some senses still are. That will not be the case forever. 
And so I am reminded of the great African uh, proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. Uh, and we really have to be looking at this in terms of wanting to go far. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we have time maybe for one more um, one more round robin here. Chris, what I want to ask a question about a different kind of relationship. One of the things that always struck me when I come out to the Pacific Northwest is that it works well, the Canada-US relationship, because it isn't all managed from D.C. and Ottawa, that there is a great deal of local engagement in managing the infrastructure, and the relationship is really personal. Um, We used to get that idea of subsidiarity, of of just letting local things be local. And yeah, the federal governments have some role there, but there was much more autonomy. And it seems to me, after 9-11 and COVID, we've gotten a bit stuck where all the rules and the gates are being managed at the top of the relationship. What does that do? Or not being managed. Or not being managed. Yeah. Yeah. What does that do to the local um, willingness and I think goodwill that you've built over the years to try to work together with your neighbors? Well, it'll atrophy in time if we don't deal with it. Right. And that's your point, I think, Chris, and it's a good one. Um, But without in any way diminishing the importance of your, I think, insightful observation, Mm -hmm. Add that to the list, the very long list of other casualties or problems caused by a two-year shutdown of all manner of things associated with COVID. Right. I mean, we're dealing with an awful lot of problems coming out of the terrible consequences of that pandemic. Still are children that basically didn't have much of a school experience for one and two years. But it's a fixable thing. If we just remember how we got our border to work so well, how we these communities grew up near each other. I know there are a lot of things in COVID that will never be the same, but that is one thing I think that if we understand what made the relationship work, we can get back to. Absolutely. We also learned during COVID, uh, with, with the border closed to discretionary travel, how to deal with a crisis. So whether it was flooding in British Columbia, whether it was wildfires, uh, we figured out how to help each other quickly across the border. My thought is, We've raised the bar. We now need to not go back to the slow, clunky, normal. We need to understand how well we did in a crisis, like responding to flooding, and let's make the border that, let's make that the standard for how efficient it is. Let me pivot. I've got one last question for you. Uh, you 49. (laughs) If you don't like it, we can uh, can cut this whole segment. Um, I was just thinking, you've served in the State House. You've served in the U.S. House, so and and now you're in an executive in the executive branch of, of your state. Well, yeah, not really. Lieutenant, really, look, are you president of the Senate? Is that what the lieutenant governor? Is? I am. The lieutenant the lieutenant governor of Washington State plays three roles. First is an insurance policy in case the governor gets hit by a bus, mm-hmm. and I'm acting governor when the governor Inslee's out of state. Two. And the most important, most visible, most high profile is I am president of the Senate. And I, mm-hmm. I preside every day. I also do you appoint quixotically chair. No, okay. no. I But I do chair the rules committee. Okay. The sometimes called all powerful rules committee. Sure. And third, other committees uh, or other duties as assigned. And they keep giving them to the lieutenant governor. Got it. So that's interesting. Every state's a little bit different in that yeah. respect. So that's interesting. Um as between Congress and the State House of Washington, um, which is which is more functional in terms of public oh, policy Scott. and serving people? Oh, Scotty, that yeah. doesn't require you know the answer to that. I'm asking that you. Re- that doesn't require one nanosecond of thought. 
Um, How about back when you were in Congress? Uh, better than it is now, but it was still pretty bad. And uh, you know, the answer to your question is the state, state legislature yeah. is infinitely more functional and, frankly, infinitely more civil. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the cancer that is in the process of metastasizing, if if it hasn't already in Congress, is is not yet present in our state legislature. We have an expression, Northwest nice. We still wait for the pedestrian walkway sign to change before we'll cross wow, the street. Wow, that's of practically way. Canadian of you. Yeah, practically. <laughs> See, they're a good influence There on you us. go. Uh, and, and Congress... Uh, Congress has been has become largely dysfunctional, and they are gripped with this hyper partisanship, this hyper polarization, uh, all enabled by a social media platform network, where where all the incentives are on the side of behaviors that uh, that that gravitate toward all or nothing approaches to politics. Your 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 success is measured not in terms of the results, the policy results. But how many Twitter followers do you have that you can convert to email addresses that you can then monetize to get reelected by? Uh, and it's and and the way people talk to one another is uh, just unbelievable anymore. So it sounds like you're in a pretty good spot after all these years. Well, l- lest we leave it on this note, because I don't want to. Yeah. I was privileged beyond imagination, honored beyond imagination, to serve in the Congress, and I'm glad I did. It was, uh, uh, frankly, and I'm not seeking sympathy, a brutally inhumane lifestyle to li- to work on the opposite side of well, the coast commute, as my wife yeah, and yeah. commute every weekend uh, and in an environment that requires Herculean efforts just to get anything done. And I, I'll go to my grave, believe it, I punched above my weight, but, and I won't bore your listeners with that list, but the the... Truth. They're going to go Google you right now after Are this. They? Yeah, yeah, it's happening. Yeah. ScottyGreenwood.com. <laughs> That's a real site. Is it? Of course it is. All right, go there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, the, I, there's no comparing the Washington legislature to Congress. And, um, of course, all these trends are exacerbated by gerrymandering, where mm-hmm. we make yeah. it easier and easier for people that are represent kind of the extreme points of view from our our two major political parties to to get nominated in our primary and then get elected and we see that playing out this year uh, the the middle has given way and the middle has often been the lubricant for actually getting things done you know it's bad and it is bad and I'm not going to call it for anything other than what it is and God bless my friends who remain in public service in that capacity. God bless them for that. But you know it's bad when literally the phrase principled compromise or compromise is rejected by increasing numbers of people because it's seen as a sellout. I don't know of any way I don't know of any way to function to have a successfully functioning legislature in a pluralistic democracy unless you can achieve compromise or pluralistic or principled compromise. I don't know of a way to accomplish that. And we simply are going to have to get back at that at some point. I fear we're going to go through what we are now for a while. And uh, God bless those who 
labor on. Well, you... amen, brother. You're one of the great ones. So oh, thank stop. you so much for, for joining us. It's a joy and, to see you and talk to you. And and thank you for bringing the Canadius relationship um, to that level, because I think that's one thing that people in both parties in the United States used to feel pretty confident. We agreed on Canada's a great neighbor. We want to work with them and make things work. And even now, I think the polarization frightens some of our Canadian friends, um, just how Washington has become so nasty. So well, they got, they like got you, a little of that up here. They do have a little bit. Of, I mean, they we do. are sitting here in Alberta, Canada, in the middle of a fairly interesting leadership race. So it's we're not we didn't invent polarization. I'll just say no, that. No, no. But, uh, but I we might a, have I perfected it. <laughs> I try not to pay attention to any of the nastiness. I try <laughs> only spread good thoughts. Well, thank you both very much for having me on. You're very. Thank welcome. you for being had. Come back <laughs> anytime. <laughs> I have a perfect face for radio and podcast. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Well, Chris, what a delight to have the lieutenant governor on with us. He's funny and interesting. I like it's a lucky bounce to be here at Penware where you can just go down the hall, grab a grab someone like the lieutenant governor and, and have a chat. I, I agree. I think there was something that he was saying that really you notice at Penware, which is when politicians have to see each other face to face, when they spend a little more casual time as you can at a conference like this, you build relationships, you build trust, and you can get things done. I think that's one of the region, reasons the Pacific Northwest works so well. Um, and and Governor Heck, I think, brings that spirit. He had it in Washington. I, I mentioned that I had one of my former students working with him uh, as an intern in his office, and he's always carried that whatever, wherever he's been. But I think personal politics really make a difference. Absolutely. And, you know, on the agenda for this conference we're attending, um, there was a whole breakout session for legislators on the importance of civility. And so I don't know if I think that's a good thing uh, or the fact that they needed to have it tells you something about where our discourse is today. But we're always civil on Canusa Street we pretty are much, always right? We're civil. And in fact, I think the Canadians are, are so remarkably polite and friendly. They often put us Americans, uh, you know, to shame. They're so nice. and uh, Except during question period. Yeah, except during question period. Maybe yeah. there's something about the legislative process, but when the when the cameras are off and they're here and they're just talking on Canusa Street, brings out the best in everyone. Really does. Well, always great to see you, my friend. Nice to see you as well. This podcast is brought to you by the Canadian American Business Council and the Wilson Center. If you like this episode, help others find our show and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.